0: Guys, welcome to another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast. And recently, I had the opportunity to interview the Norseman himself, Michael Struzas, and what a talk this was. Now, he's a professional strongman, and we certainly touched on that uh, movement development in kids. But the way he was able to articulate overcoming challenges balance in his life even contest mileage but then diving into philosophy i mean it was it was a far ranging conversation but i really think you're going to enjoy this one because he is certainly a, a mammoth of an individual and a strong man but a deep mindful thinker and person and just listen and enjoy please Alrighty, guys, and welcome to another
1: episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast. And on the line today, I have Michael Struzes. Michael, first question that I ask everybody who comes on the show is, share with us the highlights of your health journey up until this point, please. Well, I came from a family where people seemed to be a mixture of, um, you know, really athletic types or people who had, you know, weight issues, addiction issues, health issues, both on my mom's and dad's side of the family. It seemed like a it seemed like a dichotomy, like you had to choose one extreme or another. I can't think of any family members that jump out at me. I'm sure there are some, and nothing's an absolute that were just, you know, kind of a middle of the road, middle path, like, you know, kinda of took care of themselves, kinda of didn't so I realized early on that I kinda of had a choice to make and being the size I am I'm a big guy it seemed like I was either going to be big and sad or big and strong Um, (laughs) (laughs) so luckily for me I had an uncle um who I was really close with He was really close in age to me actually was my mom's youngest brother he was very much into um you know strength martial arts Guy's just amazing he could do you know at Thanksgiving even up to like age 40 he'd just like go outside and show off to the kids and, like, walk on his hands, go into a backhand handspring, do a flip, do some kind of crazy, like, taekwondo kick. And uh, he took me under his wing, started teaching me martial arts at a very young age. And then as I got older, I'd, you know, go stay with him sometimes. And, you know, he'd have me doing pull-ups and running and sprinting and carrying things. And um, it really laid a foundation for me to be interested in that as I grew older. And how did that affect you and for, well, I'm curious now even how that affects you from the standpoint of like, okay, you have some kids, like w- where are they at? Like on that, maybe even scale, like, and, or how do you help them out with being able to cultivate like any of the things, especially like movement or otherwise that they're really interested in? Well, it's, it can be a challenge because you seem to be as a parent. Um, I've got three kids and three stepkids. I consider all six of my kids three boys, three girls, from 10 down to two. And every one of them is extremely interested in doing the things dad or mom or stepmom is doing. My sure. wife is a strong woman competitor too, so she's out training with me. when We are training at home in the garage. When we're doing stuff, they want to be in there. What can I do? What can I do? <laughs> can I lift this thing? Is it my turn? Can I do this? But two things happen. One, if we're not training... Their kids and it's hard to keep them disciplined maybe be on a little program of their own if it's not right when I'm doing it. And two, they don't often want to work as hard or do things in a, like a technically sound manner. They just want to do the stuff that looks fun. And if it stops being fun, <laughs> then they're like, oh, I'm going to go do something else. How do you – okay, so what are the ages on your kids? Because this is something I'm curious because I thought my boys are really pretty young yet. Oh, sure. So my oldest son is 10, and then so that ten, ten 10-year-old son, 9-year-old uh, daughter, 7-year-old uh, son, 5-year-old daughter, 5-year-old son, and almost 3-year-old daughter. Okay. All right. No, and, and I think that's, I think this is actually, like, something just good to bring up because a lot of times still, you still hear about, like, okay, especially now with such a tech age that we're growing into, it's like, ah, oh, kids just, don't do much. They don't work as hard. They're not outside. They're not doing this stuff. It's like, what do you see, at least, what would you like to be able to help them just be well-rounded? Like what would you either just recommend like to just others or what do you see? Like there are some of the best things that you find besides obviously like whatever you guys are doing, they kind of want to jump in. But is there anything that you've seen from them that like really just seems to give them um, either the most body awareness, the most help just as far as learning movements, anything like that, as far as what you guys do? Yeah, you know, it's, it really, uh, it ends up coming down to being both the gym movements that most mimic natural life and natural human movement, um, which aren't always as fun for them, but mm-hmm. if you can get kids interested in it, like um, competitive with themselves or with each other, it can be fun. And that's it's the same thing that if I'm like, if I'm working with an athlete, for a senior, like, you know, I've always been a trainer. I've always trained people, just kind of on the side for the time, either as my job, as a gym owner, at a gym for 17 years now. Regardless of what else is going on in my professional life, I've always kept a foot in that door. And um, I tell every client the same thing, whether it's your grandma or a professional athlete, that I base everything around reaching and lifting things, standing overhead, a natural squat and picking some up and off the ground, AKA, you know, the, form of the deadlift mm-hmm. and then anything specific for the person, how heavy, how often, how frequent, um, the volume they do, the accessories, they do the functional movements, they do the conditioning and they, they do, you know, um, any type of like, you know, strongman stuff they do. That's what's tailored. That's what's specific. But everyone from a kid to a senior citizen needs to focus on those three core human movement patterns because they're the three essential ones to be capable. And, cap- and, and capability is strength. And capability is, you know, how you build your best self and how you be the best parent, how you be the best spouse, how you be the best brother, citizen, entrepreneur, what, what have you. So that's kind of like, that's, that's one column. And then the other column is doing those things, but in a natural way. So like you would see in, like, obviously I'm biased, like this a strong man. <laughs> things up and picking things up and carrying them, throwing things. Um, you know, so what farmers carry, carrying rocks, carrying sandbags, throwing sandbags, dragging things, pushing things. It's stuff that we would have had to do out of necessity 100 years ago, or 200 right. years ago, or 500 years ago, that we don't do anymore. So it's all the things our bodies are designed to be most capable of doing that we don't have to do. And the kids do seem to respond better to that stuff. Like, if I say, hey, let's, you know, let's take this dragging sled out to the road. Mm-hmm. So which one of you can run this little, you know, 40-pound rock. Who can run the fastest down here and then let's push this sled back. And then, you know, they love that. But so making it, like, making a contest, making it a game. Um, I had the kids yesterday. They were doing that. They, they had a speed ladder out. I mean, if you, obviously, for the listeners, you know, the ladders that, like, you know, NFL players run through for, like, agility. And we, we invented, like, we were playing pig with it. So, like, they would run through it with some hilarious, like, okay, left foot, right foot, jump on the outside, jump back in. But then it became a game. And fitness becomes a game. Health becomes a game. It becomes something that is programing. That's an interesting a way to fun. do it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I like it. So, in short, the three functional movement patterns, both on gym movements and with odd objects, and then making it a game making it fun, making it a game, making it competitive. I mean, because that has benefits that translate outside of the body. I mean, it helps them emotionally, psychologically as well. So I do want to touch on strongman a little bit, because I think you're the first professional strongman that I've had on the show here. Uh, what, give give it a little bit of a rundown for everybody. Like, Hey, where, where did you start off? Where have you come to now? Like, uh, just with some of your training, what you've done, how you figured it all out, even absolutely. So uh, we're talking probably twelve years ago, uh, about two thousand six. Always was a huge fan. I was always strong, always usually stronger than everyone else. Always big. I was, you know, the height I am now, six three, and about two hundred thirty pounds. By the time I hit tenth grade, it just fascinated me, um, and not from a meathead way. Uh, I actually was on a different podcast, and I kind of explained this way. I, like I said, I look at strength as the foundation. The strength of body, mind, heart, will, spirit—that's the foundation for like all human capability and achievement. If you don't have strength of those things, if if you are lacking strength of body, of mind, of will, then you're not going to be a—you cannot be a complete being, and you can't function or be capable of the greatest heights you achieve, you're be capable of achieving. So, it fascinated me as much from the mental side. Watching those guys on TV, like the world's strongest man, every bit as much mentally, um, just as a martial arts guy and as you know, someone very into philosophy, meditation, as it ever did. Probably more so, even than the physical side of it, I found the mental side of it more impressive. Um, And I just thought it was like it used to be. They just found the twenty strongest, you know, animals from every corner of the globe. They threw <laughs> them, they threw them <laughs> on an island and. <laughs> and that's how it was. I, I really did. And I was just walking down the street at a festival one day in Minnesota. Here, um, I live in Wisconsin, but Minnesota is really across the border. And I see just normal-sized dudes and even some little guys and girls doing, you know, like miniature version of strongman. And then I saw this just monster that I recognized from TV, um, a guy from Minnesota who's been the real strongest man for on many times. Very well in the story. For you. A good friend of mine, coach, mentored me. Dave Austin, I saw him do like a thousand pound partial deadlift or something insane. Yeah. And I ran up to the promoter. I could see he was on the mic. I'm like, how do I do this? When, do, <laughs> like, when, when is the next competition? Where do you train? And um, like all, like, and this is an absolute, like all strong range communities I've seen um, anywhere in the country, they immediately, they welcome you. No know, questions asked. If you're willing to be a part of the group and contribute and work hard, you are welcomed. Um, it is one of the coolest environments for people of every age, gender, creed, sexual orientation, doesn't matter, it is one of the coolest communities you could ever ask to be a part of where it's just a very inclusive kind of family type environment. And um, you know, invited me to his home, Dave Austin, did, to train, doesn't know me from Adam. And uh, I was hooked from day one. I passed a pretty crazy witness test he had for kind of new initiates. Um, and then I was invited to keep coming back. But more so I think a witness test was people would not complete it and just never want to show their face again, or it was too hard for them. Are you allowed to share or is that only? Oh, something of, course. Of, course. You, of course. Well, no, I, I say it might be something it, you only revealed. You no, no. It, maybe I, I might've built it up too much. It's, so it's a giant chain from like an ocean liner. So you yep. imagine the so imagine the links. Each of the links is larger. The diameter of one chain link, just the thickness of the of the iron, mm-hmm. way thicker than like a pop can. Like you can't fit your hand around it. Not even close. Cool. Just <laughs> each link probably weighed. I think they weighed like depending on the chain. You you're talking about, like eating 250 pounds per link. And these are six, seven, eight, nine length chains. So they get upwards of six, seven, eight hundred pounds chain in total. Right. And the purpose of it is you you grab in a very specific way, you grab the links and you drag it backwards. Right. Mm-hmm. So the task was to drag it, basically an entire city block at his house on the sidewalk, and it you know it was a very slight uphill, I mean, a couple percent grade, hard enough to notice. Yeah. And I'm getting halfway done. I've never done this before. You know, I think I'm strong. i trained in the gym. This was very eye-opening. And it was this day that I realized initiation had nothing to do with physical strength. It had everything to do with that mental strength and that power of will that I was so fascinated by. And that was really what you were being tested on because your body stops working. Your quadriceps get so filled with blood that they just, they don't flex anymore. So your legs just kind of straighten. And the only thing that they tell you you can do at that point is you just lean back and you fall with straight legs onto your butt, onto the sidewalk. And you just move it a few lengths at a time until you're done. And it, it's so painful. And it's just one of those things where you feel like you have to push through this impossible physical feeling. And it's just so freeing and transcending because it's, you're truly pure and clean and clear, and it's very zen. I mean, nothing else exists. I mean, you can't even feel your own breath anymore because you've just gone to this other place of intensity. And so you finish, and the first thing he says, don't put off my lawn, go on the street. And then when I'm just about ready to start <laughs> trying to <laughs> think, to think about breathing normally again, he says, well, what are you doing? He, it's not, you know, we're going inside, you've got to drag it back. And so here I am, I'm like, are you, in my mind, I'm like, oh my God, I have to drag this thing all the way back. I don't, how is this possible? And he's like, don't worry. He's like, it's a little downhill on the way back. So you drag it back and I feel like, like I said, it was a test, people's mental fortitude and people who didn't finish, I think would just excuse themselves from ever coming back and realize, <laughs> it's, not for, and realize it's not for them. So that that's the start. I mean, that's a long. I know it's a long story. No, but like clearly, that had. I mean, like you said 12 years ago. Like this is something you still remember very vividly. Like you can tell just based on the story and just uh, the inflections in it, like, how did that change? did that, What what change did that have in you? um I mean, I know you're talking about like maybe the mindset. But, like, did that just change anything? You can even like pinpoint right now like going forward like i mean just creating who you are today it, it does and it sounds simple and i i think it's so important it's so important to relay to people again to focus it almost to ad, ad- nauseum that when you have a moment whether it's a serious moment or that 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 moment, for example, was a fun moment. It wasn't a serious moment. It didn't matter if I finished. It wasn't life or death. I wasn't mm-hmm. injured. But when you have any opportunities in life that you can do something so difficult that it seems impossible, that you have the opportunity to choose to have the will, and it's a matter of choice. It isn't a matter. It, it, it the physical capability becomes moot that becomes irrelevant because your body's done. Your cardiovascular mm-hmm. system is done, your muscles is done. When you have an opportunity to choose to complete something that is so physically difficult that it becomes 100% about a state of mind, getting into that sort of zone, as people refer to, like in sports, mm-hmm. it was like a switch got flipped. And I had done martial arts, and I had done meditation, I had done Zen stuff, but it was the first time that I – ever felt and i got completely intoxicated and addicted to it a real a hundred percent like metaphysical transcendence i know it sounds so silly if you can't be in that moment but since then, i have found it over and over and over and over again while i train or while i compete and it transfers to my everyday life that i can you know completely transcend and be in this perfect peaceful harmonious state where I am just existing in the moment I am in. There has been no better mindfulness practice than I've ever found in intense training or competition. So yes, it it had a profound effect on my mind and my will and my ability to cultivate mindfulness and to apply it in everything in life. Do you think, I mean, like we almost have like no more rites of passage. Right? Like yeah. do you do you think like that can almost like serve like and and this is kinda of how I see it too because like our we don't tax our physical bodies uh nearly like you said, a hundred years ago, five hundred years ago, like we had to do all these physical tasks just to survive purely. Yeah. And now there's not much like there's no okay, the right to become a man, the right to become a woman, like you don't yeah. have to go off on your own like like a vision quest for the Native Americans or something like no. that. But I mean no. Something like this, like you said, is it, almost purely simple as it sounds. Like, sure, was anything truly riding on it? Like, if you hadn't done it, were you not going to get up the next day? No. But having that in your life, like, really can have such carryover to the rest of it, which I think is the beauty of having some type of practice in your life that allows you to do that. It is, and you, you said it great. I mean, Native Americans had a vision quest. Ancient cultures had, you know, trials, you know, where you had to go survive um, or do something very difficult or prove something. And I think it gets lost on our society. We get so wrapped up in, like, things are too masculine or things are feminine. You get wrapped up in these kind of obsessions, and it's not, no, these are humanists. These are humanistic principles. They don't have anything to do with, like, some barbarism. Isn't what it is. It was, you know. Uh, yes, there's tons of barbarism in ancient Asia. There's tons of barbarism today. You know, worse right. even worse than it used to be. These are like, these are amazing cultural, tribal, you know, very essential. Like you said, rites of passage to like become your best self, to prove to yourself and to your social group that you know you have what it takes to be a highly functioning member of that society. And we've lost we've lost that too. We've, we've really we've lost we've lost our culture in that sense too. We don't we don't live in tight knit social communities anymore. We live isolated from each other, disconnected, you know, connected electronically, which is artificial and isn't real. And it's unfortunate. And like you said, you know, having some sort of practice, I get some people want to do the thing, be the lone wolf, do the thing alone, but having some sort of group and. Something that you pour yourself into is just an amazing resource, and it really helps you cultivate being your best self. It does. Well, I mean, of course, we're relating back to strongman, but I mean, like, a couple guys that you train with can be just that. Like, it doesn't have to be. No. I mean, Dunbar's number 150 people. You don't have to have 150 close connections. But you have just a couple solid people that you know, no matter what comes up in your life, you can call them and they'll be right there for you. Like there's Absolutely. nothing better than that. No. And you know, and it's funny, um, because it's also allowed me, so it's allowed me to be more self-actualized to the sense that I also see those types of bonds outside of my community. It isn't, it isn't exclusive to that. I mean, I have, I have other extreme deep friendships that mean sure. just as much people that would never want to even be interested in strong unless but there's something else about them. They have that same tendency, passion, and that same will, and they have that same strength and capability in just a different way, in a different practice, in a different area of life. But they're, this, they're, they're built from the same fabric. They're built from the same type of human fabric. So it just it allows you to appreciate that in other people and to seek those relationships out and I mean really not waste time on people that rob you of your enthusiasm or drain you of your energy or don't reciprocate, you know that you don't have a reciprocal relationship that you're giving each other, you know, positivity, relying on each other when things are tough. Like you said, someone can call up three am in the morning, no questions asked, who doesn't want to have that in their life? Well, I think one thing that you just hit home, uh, for me at least, there was um, the reciprocity of it too. And uh, Anders Varner, I recently had on the show too, talked about some of the same things like cultivating those relationships. And it's it it really, if you're only taking from somebody, try and recognize like if you're doing that because it's not fair to you. It's not fair to them. Like each relationship is always going to be 50-50. But if you're not putting 100% of your 50% in, I mean, the percent will drastically just start dropping off for this relationship that you're able to, whoever it is, like you said, it doesn't have to be a strong man here. It could be your significant other. It could be your kids. It could just be somebody else that you are just have an unbelievable connection with, like share that, like be able to give them as much as they're giving you and recognize like, Hey, you can't give everything. Let them know that. But let them know why. Like, and I think that goes a long way with, Cultivating that relationship, then as well. I don't, you know, I define for me, and I teach my kids this too, especially being in a blended family, as it's called, quote unquote, you know, where you have people who aren't your biological children on both sides. Mm-hmm. And I teach my kids this, and it's really important. They're not getting old enough for me to explain. I tell them all the time that your family is not your greater magnitude of genetic relation. That is not. It isn't your last name. Your family are the people that love you, that you choose to love, that you have these reciprocal relationships with, and nobody has the right to tell you who your family is and who it's not. I said. And I told my son this. He was struggling with my divorce. Mom, I said, I don't have the right to tell you that. Your mother doesn't have the right to tell you that. Your stepmother doesn't have the right to tell you. No one. You decide that for yourself. You always will. I said. That's a gift you get to have. That as you go through life, you, you, know, you know, if you want to choose to be like your dad, you know, my family is comprised of the people I have chosen to be part of it and who have chosen me. And that is it. And so, you know, I don't even like to use the words. I, I, can, I call people in my life like that, regardless of relations. I call them brother, I call them sister, uncle, whatever. You know, just those kind of nice, you know, those monikers you give people. Sure. I don't want people in my life on a regular basis. We all have acquaintances. It's necessary necessary for professional life or whatever, but the close-knit circle, to me, they're family, and that's it. Everyone outside of that is outside of that. There's no, like, family, kind of friends, acquaintances. It's like you're either in, and I consider you family, or you're, you know, just kind of an acquaintance. There's no, there's an extreme division that There really is. And it wasn't always that way, and I, I didn't, it wasn't for the last four or five years that I learned to, to value that the way that I feel like I should, and that I think some a lot of people should. Was there a like a turning point, Lisa, like, so like four or five years ago, like that helped you realize that, or is it just something like you started putting together since you were younger and really just built upon it? No, it was a turning point. It really was. Um, I had for a long time, you know, I've always been very passionate about helping people. I've always been mm-hmm. passionate about, you know, I've always been an Eastern philosophy who's very much into beauty and, so, you know, relieving suffering in yourself and other people. So. And I, 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 for a time in my life, I took that practice, kind of, I viewed it and practiced it through the improper lens. And I became a yes. I became the yes guy. I was everyone's dad, everyone's big brother, everyone's, you know, they need something. And then I realized how toxic those relationships become and it's always either sure. that are like your quote unquote friends or acquaintances, not reciprocal, and you're just, you're sacrificing your own health and wellness, you're sacrificing your financial security, the health and wellness and security of the children and the close people that are your family to you go out of your way to like do favors and be the thing people can call and write someone free training program or, so you, whatever, you, you can name a hundred weird little odd things people will ask you to do in their are one-sided relationships. And it was just the turning point. It was really me at, I'm 30, I'll be 36 in July, probably maybe 30, i 32. I finally just realized when I woke up and I was, like, I was like, it doesn't make me a bad person to say no. I was like, oh, <laughs> I, was like, right. that. I was like, and then I had this epiphany, because my epiphany wasn't a new thought. It was just my first realization of doing it and being aware of it rather than just, like, being someone's house which was, I said, everyone's got this pyramid when they're young, you know, that they have upside down in their 20s, in their teens and 20s. They get out of college, you know, they're a liberal arts major, they're whatever, I'm going to, you know, I got this idea to change the world. I got this idea to change the country. I got this idea to change the industry. And it's all wrong all messed up. It's all backwards. you got to reverse the pyramid. It's like an upside-down pyramid, and it starts with you. You need to have the strength of mind, body, spirit, will to be the best person you can be, to be kind, to be compassionate, to be generous, to be grateful, to be loving, and be those things to yourself first, so you can be the best you can be then for yourself, for your children, as a business person and then maybe you can get to your circle of like close friends and then maybe you can be that for your community if you even get to that point that you're like an influencer for change for positive change even in a community and hey, you have one successful life and if you're one of those rare people that can take it to the next level and actually do something to change you know the state you live in or an industry or your country or you know the very very you know fractional percentage of people in history who have actually changed a little bit better, that's amazing. But it's, to think of the other way around, it's so god-awful and I feel like it leads to so much suffering, anxiety, and depression that people do not build the foundation of doing all those things for themselves first. Because it's like, what's it that like saying? Like, you can't, you can't fill a cup. Like, if your cup's empty, you can't fill the other one again. It's a very really, really slick saying. I'm sure you've mm-hmm. heard it. But you can't sell from the empty cup or whatever, it's just a, it's a variation on that. You can't give what you don't have. Kind of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and I, it's a funny, a friend of mine, he, uh, he actually came up, he might be mad at me for sharing it, but, uh, he's got this campaign he's going to start calling. He said, "Called." you know, it's going to be like a hashtag share strength thing. But I just love that. I was like, that's amazing because you have to cultivate all of that within you. And then it's almost, and it's your duty, it's your obligation to then share that with those around you like a pond, you know, like you throw that, once you're ready to share that strength of mind, body, spirit, and will, you, you throw that boulder in the pond and you get those ripples reaching out as far as it can. But it starts with you and those closest to you. I love what you're sharing about the, the strength that keeps coming up. And sure, we're both interested in strong men, but the beauty of it is it's like no, it's not just about physical strength. And I think that oh. sometimes it, it just it gets lost very often. I And, and where, where did you, like, I don't know if this is like, if you're saying, or if you borrowed from somebody, like you keep saying, like, the mind, body, spirit, will. Like, yeah. you have that down. Like, are, did those four kind of pillars uh, come about for you? Is that something you've learned, or is that something, you, again, you've kind of cultivated and just kind of come to figure out for yourself? Well, it's just, you know, it's it's kind of like, I talked to you, you know, personally, kind of off there and private. Like, i went through a lot of things in the last few years of my life, and yeah. I've always had, I've always had pieces of this like puzzle. I've always had like, like let's, let's say the puzzle has ten pieces, and mm-hmm. I'm just on the number out. I've always felt like I've had like five of them, or seven of them, or eight of them, but I've never felt like I finally put the last one in until just this last year or two of my life. And that's when you asked me off the air when you said, How are you doing? And I said, I feel like an unstoppable force of nature. And I mean that and and what that means, it doesn't mean everything in my life is perfect. It doesn't mean everything is great and peachy. It actually for me personally it means I have the perfect balance of challenges to overcome and goals that I have to achieve, you know. Well so I've got, you know, some professional things that are putting pressure on me right now, you know, family stress that everybody has as a husband and father, you know make the financial pressure of making them need, you know, starting a new life and the new stuff. I've got some injuries I'm coming back from that are kind of being difficult to overcome to get back to competing. But it's like, it's the perfect amount as not to overwhelm one, but the right amount to completely sharpen one's focus and one's discipline. So that way you don't leave anything unchecked and you don't take anything or anything for granted. Whereas like, if you're just, if everything is peachy and great, more power to you. I don't thrive in that environment unless I mm-hmm. have challenges. For me, I don't thrive unless I'm pushing myself to a greater challenge or a greater height, and those great obstacles. But that's what I meant when I said that. It's just everything's locked in, and I feel like I have all those 10 public pieces. But yeah, it is something I've kind of unintentionally, sometimes consciously, sometimes unconsciously, um, you know, cultivated. Is that for me? I need strength of body and have strength of mind. Some people way around. if I don't feel physically strong and capable, my mental health will suffer, and it has. Um, I don't accept that as a fact. I accept that as a lesson of history, that if I am not physically strong in training for something, to do something, even just to exist, my mind will slip. My mental strength will suffer. I may feel depressed. I may feel anxious, stressed, etc., so for me, that comes first, and then my emotional slash mental strength derives from that, and it builds and it grows. And when it's at capacity, and I'm dealing with stress very well, or I'm dealing with challenges without anxiety, and I'm sleeping good, and I don't, you know, have a, you know, I have very few bad days or bad moments, then it goes more into that like kind of that overall metaphysical strength, you know, for people whether they're religious or non religious, you know, you feel, kind of feel like you have that that energy, you've got that vibe, you've got that same people notice, you know, they're like, hey, you just kind of give up, you know, people say that all the time, that, to me, that's kind of like strength of spirit, you know, it's like this buzz that, you know, people just get from you, they like to be around you, um, and then all of it, I think the reason I unintentionally often would say the strength of will, which sounds kind of like it's mental, For me, it breaks down to be like you have this physical capability. For me, that gives me mental capability, which gives me emotional and spiritual capability. But none of it matters if you don't have the will to apply it, not just when it's easy, but the will to apply it to your greatest challenges, to your greatest fears, to your greatest concerns, to your greatest goals. That's where it takes the will and the discipline to apply those things. Thank you. Uh, no, my that was, uh, I think, so beautifully explained. And what I appreciate is the distinction that you hold between each of those. Because uh, a lot of times, I, th- I, I feel that people will see it as like, oh, well, like, yeah, body, mind, spirit, like they, they get those kinds of things. But the mind and the spirit one and, and will, to have like somewhat of a separation to those, I think is important to realize because if you want to see um, those, whether it's challenges or goals, like you said, you have the challenges that you you want to overcome and to, to achieve those goals, like having those for each part of your life, but it's for challenges for your body, challenges for your mind, challenges for your spirit, like all of those challenges kind of fall into that will, but it's, being able to cultivate those and achieve what it is that you want in each of those aspects of life, being able to feed off of other aspects, and recognizing that each one still is different but can have a profound impact on the others, and then you said, or, or I'm actually kind of curious. So you said, like again, it has been a rough year for you. So what is it that, what has been the biggest challenge for you? In overcoming that, has it been in the body, the mind, the spirit, the will? Like, what have you learned most even over the last year? Maybe about yourself. Yeah, it's it's been a tough couple of years, and I, I just want to apply. It. I love I love how you just said that, and and I agree. We say we hear we hear mind body spirit thrown around. As flippantly as people say, like the word functional, like, no, there's a function. <laughs> it's just, if you can't. That's a perfect analogy. <laughs> it is, it is. And, and it, but it loses its meaning, and it's sad. And I don't want it to. You know, I want to be a voice, you know, so that when people can say, God, it's tangible. That's a real thing. Those are real different things. Then it just doesn't become this, you know, a cover on a holistic health or yoga magazine where it's just. You see those three words and it starts losing in the meaning. So I, I liked how I like how we tied that out. So I was, I was really, I, I really liked your point, so. Um, but to, to continue to, to build on that, yeah, the last couple of years have been difficult. I was, uh, I was in marriage, um, in a bad marriage. It wasn't good for you very much. And you know, there were parts of it that were, we had just met young, we met very young. Um, you know, had kids kind of, had, you know, a child, you know, mid-20s, just kind of young these days. And I think part of it was very prototypical. You know, people are young, they grow apart, they change. You have kids, you try to make it work for them. A lot of stuff that's cliched. But the biggest thing was that it was just, I reckon I found hindsight and it was toxic. We weren't good for each other. And it was robbing me of my positivity and my enthusiasm and, um, you know, making me realize that I was just being gripped by fear, fear of change, fear of leaving, fear of my children being gripped my parents out It was to everyone's parents are divorced. But um, I got low. I got so low. I got kind of like this, I never thought I'd get to this point in my life a couple of years ago where I'm competing and strong and instead of being this positive catalyst for me, with the fighting with my ex wife, with the social stress, financial stress for us, you know, really being irresponsible with my time, being irresponsible with our money. Just kind of doing whatever I needed to do to you know, to go to this well and using it to try to feel better about it was really going to be making me feel worse. In physical pain all the time. stress all the time. Taking painkillers to get rid of the pain, taking sleeping pills to really go to bed. I remember one night, you know, and like I said, substance abuse was wrong with my family. One night, um, I had slept in like, I don't know, three or four days, this is like two years ago now, and I had gotten to, I don't know if I got it from a friend or online somewhere, I'd gotten some Xanax. And I knew it was short-acting. I, I understand, unfortunately, I understand the pharmacological Implications of this thing better than most, and I said, okay, it's super fast acting. I'll at least get a couple hours won't nightmares off, and like blah blah. I took, I think I took an entire bar of like two or three milligrams ofanax, and I still couldn't sleep. And I was starting to have like, I I started to have auditory hallucinations from sleep deprivation. Cause my stress and depression, and anxiety were so bad, and um, I, I don't. I honestly to this day I can't even remember. What I finally did, I went to the doctor and um, and I started getting just a little bit of sleep by taking a whole cocktail and stuff that was just awful for me. And I think that's the moment, that was the moment, like I said, three, maybe three and a half years ago now, that I was like, okay, everything has to change because I am my worst self right now. And my passion for my, my whole life up to this point has been driving me towards being my best self, my the best husband I can be, the best father I can be, the best business owner, you know, whatever the other line being. And I had gone to this point where I was the worst of all this thing. My mind, body, my will, my spirit all felt broken, crushed, demolished and I had to you know, I had to start crawling my out of that and um, you know, make the hardest decisions to start, you know, figure out how to End the marriage and start over. I, and, you know, um, fix my body, fix my mind, all of it. And I wish I could take, you know, it'd be easy to sit here and take full credit for it. But thankfully, the, the woman I married to now my life, I and mean, she's she's literally the strongest person I've ever met. And I mean, she slowly but surely, in mean, their time, she had to completely carry me, like. Like figure two is literally carry me through, you know, some of these health issues and injuries and getting off painkillers and you know not even sleep medication and not drinking and you know working and all this stuff and I I uh, I shudder to think how long it may have taken me to get well and to be my best and strongest self and better than I've ever been in my whole life and so happy to be the filmer for her honestly. Thank you for that, Like, Because I think there are a lot of people that do – no matter what amount of stress we're under, like, we have to understand that, and there can always be something you can do for that. And a lot of that still comes down to, like, hey, you're realizing that all of those things are completely at rock bottom. Like, you're not where you want to be. But sometimes it's like, hey – where the hell do you start, right? Like, yep. You're already That's so true. down, and it's, it can be such a difficult battle. But at the same time, I mean, you, you said, like I, I could say now, like three, three and a half short years later, right? In the grand scheme, it's, it's not that long, but you were able to come out of it and just so much further ahead than you probably ever thought yeah. at that point, yeah. like that you would see yourself. No, and it's like I don't even – can't even recognize that person. It seems like a, it seems like a ghost. It seems like a parallel dimension or some dream or some nightmare that wasn't real. And just to know that you can, can always change, can always be better. You know, people like I, I, I don't like when people like to use the negative connotation and say, "Oh, things can always be worse." Well, things can always, be <laughs> things can always be better. And that's what it comes down to. I think that's the foundation for the real part. And that's a, for, for, so the, what, so like, for the will, the part oh, of the, thank you. Yeah. the will, because you talked about like, for me, it was like physical, built, mental, built, emotional, spiritual, built, strength of will. But when I was at my lowest, that's, that's how things are when I'm at my best. When it was, the, the polarity was reversed. It took the strength of will first. You had to find it somewhere in you. Like you had to, it had to be intrinsic somewhere, this tiny little flame that you thought was completely extinguished. You had to find and expand it and find just the tiniest amount of will and courage to, to move. Because when you have depression issues and sleep issues and pain issues and all this multitude you know, of stuff. I mean, I remember laying in bed sometimes, like, having this conversation with myself, you know, my, my mother-in-law would have gotten, like, my, my oldest kid to school or something. And, like, you know, I had a job where I could show up if I wanted to. It didn't matter. It was a sales job. You know, I didn't have clients at my gym until the evening. So, perhaps I would be at work. My mother and I would have the you know, older kid in school. She'd have the little kid not doing something. You know, I was being a nothing husband, a nothing father. and lay there, and I'd be like, talk to myself, 8 o'clock. Or I should get up, 9 o'clock. You know, fall back sleep. 9 o'clock. And <clears throat> it just became, every day, the, the will started to be, okay, today I'm going to get up. And I'm not going to lay here until noon and, you know, contemplating, you know, how horrible everything is and feeling physically and mentally and emotionally paralyzed that I could not get out of my bed. Um, And it's just little tiny steps. Like, okay, I got up before 10 today. Okay, today I got up and I made breakfast for the kids. Today I got my thing to school. Today I went to the office by night. And, you had know, just all these tiny, visual things that you can do. Uh, there's this motivation speaker. I can't remember her name. You see her stuff on the panel. Blonde lady, black glasses. And she talks about that, like, mentorship, that like, you have know, five seconds to outsmart your brain to make a difficult decision before it tells you all the awful reasons why you should just give up. She had the same thing. She was so depressed, she couldn't get out of bed. Um, but she would just, in her brain, she would start saying, okay, I'm going to count down for five, four, three, two, one, and then I have to jump up out to bed. And she realized there was like this weird disconnect that if you can to outsmart your brain and make these tiny decisions all day long, and you just make them. You don't let it get outside of that feel 2nd range where you start thinking about it, doubting yourself, telling yourself why it's off and why you shouldn't. But you can start beating the clock and you can start beating back the depression and your anxiety and your fears and all of those things. And you can make these tiny, measurable choices and changes every day. You can make a hundred of them a day. And like, you know, you can make a thousand of them a week. It's just incredible because you have all these moments every day that you can choose to do things just a little better, a little faster. Um, with a little more care, a little more love, a little more gratitude. I think that's such a great, an easy way, a simple way, and just a an implementable way to look at it. Like, it, it doesn't have to be an absolutely life-changing decision, but each one just that domino effect, builds upon itself, or builds upon the last one, and those decisions and better decisions, hopefully, uh, just are made more often or made faster. I had not heard, like, just, hey, you have five seconds kind of thing to do that. I think I'm going to have to start sharing that with more people. Thank you for that. I don't know if it's better or if it's a, a neurological fact. I think she just found in – she seemed like you – know, I can't remember her name, but um, you see she kind of pops up, on social media trying to This little clip – and I think maybe she just found me either in her own practice, she seemed to work, or maybe for other people. It may mm-hmm. not be a physical law, but it just, it was a, it's measurable. It's a measurable yeah. thing. You can just say, it's just one of those things, it's a measurable, tangible thing to grab. So that way, when someone says, what can I do? You have a very specific answer for them. You say, hey, five seconds. Every time you've tasted the like one more painful but with a red or reward and one that's the easy way that keeps you stuff in your road every time. Just got it don't weigh it, it's chewed right away. So I want to shift gears here and ask you a couple of things, because hey, I, I still enjoy geeking out on strongman a little bit. Oh yeah uh, absolutely Good. I'm I'm curious, like you seem somebody who's very much in it for the long haul. And like you said, about to turn thirty six and like that's not young as far as, like, strength athletics goes, but you said you're working on, like, overcoming the injuries. Like, what is, what is in store for you? Like, what are you working on? What are you working towards uh, from just your physical strength at this point? Well, I'm – no. You, you get faced with this decision because your body has a certain amount of contest mileage. We refer to it as contest mileage. It has mm-hmm. less to do with age. It really has less to do with age and more to do with contest mileage, like how much wear and tear your machine can take, you know, and all the rehab you have to do and the treatment you have to do and all this training you have to do. For me, I really want to keep competing. I'd really like to keep competing for a long time, maybe, you know, 10, 15 more years, you know, compete as a master for maybe 10 years. Um, I love it, and I love the platform it is to, you know, to build oneself and to build up others. And right now, I am struggling with um, a difficulty, kind of a very mysterious issue in my low back that we can't quite get figured out. So um, most things feel good. Most training is fine. But there's just this range of motion. It's actually, it's kind of like the the, the very bottom to like the middle part of it. If you were going to do like a barbell deadlift. Mm-hmm. So like the very bottom. Actually, I shouldn't say that. Like maybe like an inch off the floor to like, so if you're pitching the barbell in your mind, so from like an inch off the floor to like right above the knee, kind of like that area sure. where you're where you're, um, you're kind of in that like partial squat position, mm-hmm. it just it causes this weird like almost uh, nervous system disconnect in this pain in my l 4 5 region where, like, I just, like, everything stops functioning properly. And it's like, it's like a um I think it's like a, it's, an, it's some sort of inhibition reflex or some underlying symptom that I haven't been able to fix yet from the layoff of training I took in my low back. And I'm just, I'm working on it. And I think the it seems like it's a movement issue. Like, there's something not moving correctly. Like, I feel like two of my, vertebrae and two of my discs are trying to, like, move as one and stuff separately, mm-hmm. that, that that's the greatest injury issue. I'm trying to overcome everything else. It feels amazing, and I take excellent care of it. But, you know, so my immediate goals are, obviously, to get that well and to be able to lift in that plane that I need to again. Um, and I want to keep competing. I want to do America's Strongest Man before I'm done, because as a professional, I have to compete with that. And I really want to do some more traveling. I want to win some contests. You know, to do some more traveling throughout Europe. Um, I haven't done that yet. I had an opportunity, but I had to give up during my divorce to go travel and do a few contests in Europe that I had qualified for. And um, I plan to do a lot of stuff through the IHGF. It's, it's the International Highland Games Federation. Sure, sure. But, but they actually do – They have um, they have an entire, like, stones-oriented, like, Division with like all different types of stone lifting, atlas stones, natural really? stone stone carry, stone shot, you uh, natural stone loading, um, and then they've got a whole division called like strength games, which they do. They have strongman stuff, you know, flame carries, farmers, and long press. So they have their own whole, whole strongman division, and it's cool because you know a lot of it takes place overseas, and a lot of it for me, it's it's more inclined towards the, the the sport is I like it, classic strongman. You know, mm-hmm. so it's a it's a good blend of classic events. Um it's outdoors, um, and you know it's heavy, but it also is like it's very heavy, but also longer distances and like kind of more extreme. So there's a greater athletic, speed, power, strength, kind of all phases of strength. We mm-hmm. need endurance strength. We need limit strength. We need speed strength. Whereas like strongman, unfortunately, um, at a lot of the top levels right now, is trending towards just the bigger is better. You know, yeah, absolute strength. Yeah, the four hundred pound athlete, these massive, the heavy implements for these tiny distances, and I I love that part of the sport too, and more power to that type of strength athlete. But well, like you it's said, not, a blend of it though. Yeah, it's but that yeah. that one extreme or the other. So like. To me, honestly, there's like the extremes of like powerlifting. So there's powerlifting, right? So on the far, that's just one rep max. Mm-hmm. And then you've got like you've got like endurance sports. You know, you've got people doing ultra marathons. Those are right. as far apart as you can get. You look, take one look at those two guys. that's <laughs> as Far apart as it can, get, right? <laughs> now, all these other things fall in the spectrum somewhere. You know, you've got CrossFit, you've got Spartan races, you've got, um, you know, you've got, uh, you've got. Uh, World Strongest Man, you've got all Strongman. Man, you have amateur strongman. you've got, um, you know, you've got, uh, now you've got like that other, there's all kinds of stuff I've seen. Sure. There's, there's different like loaded type stuff. You have all these things. And I guess I just, maybe I'm a, maybe I'm a classicalist, but I just guess I love the days when the Strongman events, if you took 10 events over two days or something, that the, the blend of events was balanced to the point that the 290-pound the or two hundred and pounds guy had as much of a chance of winning as the 400-pound guy. Maybe the 400-pound mm-hmm. guy, he won the max deadlift or something. But the 280-pound right. guy, he won the loading race, You know where you're racing as fast as you can to load full objects over a long course. And it gave everyone a fighting chance to prove who's the best overall understand the goal is they want to test now at these contests. body spirit and will it's like okay considering okay sure somebody's going to be a little bit stronger on a deadlift somebody's going to be a little bit faster but for you have to have that event where it's just like all right this is gonna suck terribly yeah. dragging yeah. the chain going back to dragging the chain right yeah. it's, it's yeah. almost that same thing it's like all right everybody here can do it but who's just not gonna stop yeah. and, and that that almost has to be tested in a sense too because it's yeah. that Mental that that the just will to be able to yeah. go and do it. That part of the strength. Well, a good event that tests that, and a lot of times the smaller manual event is like a front carry, so like a hoosicell stone. So, like there's this ancient stone in Iceland, Hussafel, Iceland. They like said Vikings used to like test their will. They there's this church and there's like this goat pen, and it's like a, it's like a four hundred poundish just natural field stone, and it was like who could pick it up in front of their body and carry it the most times around the scope. And it's still there to this day. And that's a strongman implement. And a lot of times the 275, the 300-pound guy will win. It's still 400-pound off, you know? So it's like yeah. I hate when I hear a 400-pound guy complain, oh, it's a little guy's event. No, it's not. It's just he's better at that event than you. You've got to win where you win, and he's going to win where he wins. And there's five other events, and we're going to decide who's the best overall. I like it. And, and the funny, like I'm thinking about the analogy here. Like we're talking about just life in general and all these things about being like so well-rounded. Well, we yeah. can just apply that to strongman. We can apply that I mean to so many other things, which I think is the beauty of it. I think it's just a fascinating thought just as far as everything else we've talked about then. Absolutely. But yeah, that's, you know, there's some contests like that that are very well-rounded that I want to do. Um, and I just think there's opportunities there's opportunities abroad to do more stuff like that. Um I'm really hoping that we get some contests like that back in the US. There is one every year. It's very heavy, but it also is usually pretty fairly matched. It's called the the Old All American Strength Contest It's at the LA Fit Expo, which is I think, the second biggest fitness expert in the world besides the the There might be a very one in Europe, like in Hollywood or something. Either way it's still pretty one of those, yeah. It's huge, right? It's I think adventure kind of a stable center. and it's it, it's actually the Decathlon did indicate ten events. No, no, no. you only have to score ten events. It's actually twelve events in two days. Really, like, I didn't realize that part. Okay, yeah. a, a normal strongman contest is like five or six events over one or two days. This is twelve events over two days. You have to do ten. You have to score ten. Right, and everything from like, uh, there's like a Flamers, there's usually like, there's like, there's a like, there's carries, there's like Flamers, you know, stone like, a loading, like loading the medley, a few types of different pressing events, like one may be for Max, and it may be for speed and reps. Um, there's several grip events, there's uh, Moss Wrestling, which is, you know, the God the Man versus the mm-hmm. Man, it's like Tug of War with the stick, which I did that too, years you like the Arnold at the World Championship, and I and my, my training partner out fifth. More you know, the international field of athletes, so I mean, truly, wow. it tests. We have the opportunity to apply every type of physical and mental capacity to those ten events, and I'm perfectly confident saying the best, the very best men, win that contest, hands it down, because there's, there's all of there's twelve substitutes from that range, every single facet of like strength and physical capacity, and then you get to strategically pick which two you want to drop so you can do all twelve. And then see what's worse. Well, you can just skip to that. Maybe are two taxes with all kinds of like mental, like, it's a, you know, there's like a chess game part of it too. <laughs> so, absolutely. Yeah. When it comes down to that many moving pieces, now it really is a different ball game. And the best part is I, I don't think he's going to do it this year, but uh, a couple of years ago, I loved it. He left one or two events. They were wild cards. So, mm-hmm. he, so you didn't know until the week of the contest what even two of the events were. You just had to be in shape and ready for anything. Which I still like that idea for something in general. I I Yeah. It used to be that way. I just, I miss it so much. Now it's, like I said, everything's super heavy. Everything is becoming more unathletic. It's all on very specific equipment that if you train on the equipment, like it's, you know, you can have a better chance. It's just, I don't know, it's becoming like, I'm not dogging powerlifting as a sport. I respect powerlifting, but it's becoming like powerlifting in the fact that you're different. Um, and the is you know, kind of really, you know, the beauty of the of the Like, I think this guy, man, I see a big dude, and I'm partially so because my favorite event, actual spell and I see giant, I see some monsters, a man in a field with a judge, and they say, hey, you see that rock right there? you see who can pick a, who can pick this rock up off the ground you've <laughs> never seen before in your life. And you're gonna pick it up and you're gonna you have to press it overhead. You're gonna see it can be the heaviest one. There's twenty rocks here. And now instead it's like it's a circus dumbbell that's from a particular company. it like, got more of a trick list than anything and it's like if you have that special dumbbell and all of these special shoes and the to see and all this crap in the indoor gym, and, uh, you know, you have a better chance of someone else who might be actually stronger than you. So, yeah, it, it's just becoming very, like, specialized and technical. It's losing its, like, ancient, like, ancient Spartan, ancient biking, kind of like the that it had. We go back to those primal roots and just dig into it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Michael, we've been already chatting for an hour here. Uh, just in closing, like, hey, where can – if anybody's interested in reaching out to you as far as, like, coaching or anything, I mean, hey, share them with them what you have to offer, where they can find you, anything like that, please. Absolutely. You know, right now, I'm just keeping everything um, – I'm keeping everything out a public. I just have a public Instagram. Um, it's. You, I think you follow me. It's just the Norseman. It's the Norseman. And, yeah, I'll put links so if anybody yeah. has questions keep, on it. Yeah, keep, People can message me, people can message me there, and then we can connect via email or via phone. And, you know, I do, um, obviously, I, I still work with people doing online coaching for Facebook. Um, I work with, you know, in the population as far as just general fitness. And, you know, people have come to me too for just, you know, some people come to me for, like, you know, kind of mentoring type business coaching from you know, people that have come to me for helping, you know, working on getting sponsored and an athlete, like how to approach this stuff. So I do a lot of mentorship stuff too, you know, for people that are looking for you know, of learning how to cultivate that mind, body, spirit will, and then like how to apply it, you know, to the things that they want, so. That is that is a wonderful thing. Uh, I encourage everybody, like, check them out on Instagram if, if you're interested in reaching out, reach out, because this was, I mean, this was only an hour-long conversation. Look at all that we went into. Uh, so I, I really appreciate your time, just energy, insights, Michael. This was this was awesome. Uh, sort of look, uh, healing up, healing up the back day, too, and getting right back into everything. No, I love it. And like I said, if if one person has a positive change, um, and I'm not gonna hide, it's been a great day and it's been a win, so um, I'd love to be back. I really appreciate you having me. I appreciate being patient where I kind of figure some things out, and I hope that uh, we talk again in the near future. Excellent. Sounds great. I'll be looking forward to it. Hi, my friend. Michael, so thank, nice. you thank you again. Yes, thank Bye. you. I, I, I appreciate it. Have a good one. You too. All right. Bye-bye.
0: Hey, guys, and thank you for listening to the Bare Naked Health Podcast. If you want to support the show, please head over to iTunes, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Give a five-star rating, positive comment. This really helps other people find this show uh, or just share it with your friends. Uh, hopefully, they can get something out of it too. But thank you very much and look forward to talking to you soon.